Welcome, my friend and friends, to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, 707 Walnut in Philadelphia, and always at LLPavorsky.com. My name is Spike Eskin, along with a fella who went to cover the most important game in the history of Philadelphia 76ers basketball last night that actually took place in Los Angeles. That is Liberty Baller's own Mike Levin. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. That I couldn't agree more with your description. Yeah. We will we will get to it. It was so important that you actually wrote something too. Yeah. How about that? I like one of my favorite things. We'll get to this. I, I read it, and one of my favorite things is you've uh <laughs> you have I, I don't know if it's evolved or devolved, but you are you have evolved into like the ultimate version of Mike when you when you write, like it, it is a lot of it's it's so on brand all the time that it's only brand, I guess I would say. <laughs> and one of my favorite moments is is your your referencing of the Doug Collins jigsaw quote without any context whatsoever. Like, <laughs> like you just do it. Look, they either know or they don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to hold anybody's hand anymore. That is, and the greatest thing about the podcast is, for me, we so the uh, our the program director of our of uh, ninety eight point one WOGL um, listened to the podcast and she was asking me like a bunch like, of li- listened once. Uh, listen, yeah, well, has maybe listened twice, but hasn't listened for the last three and a half years. Just, okay, just yeah, came yeah. in, and she was asking me all these questions, and she was like, "Why don't you explain X, Y, Z?" And I was like, "Because I, I." She goes, "That might make it easier for new people to listen." And I'm like, "Eh, I don't, <laughs> I don't really. I like it better that they don't know, and I, I like that either either you know it or you don't is sort of where I'm in on it. And I have a a great deal of respect for somebody who comes in now and." We, I would, we don't get a ton of emails and tweets about this, but I would say that uh, it is sort of regular that somebody goes and starts listening and goes back and like to fill time, like podcast time in their lives, listens to old ones, like catches up on where things happened. And those are the only people that deserve to know the, new, the, the things. <laughs> I think. Either you've been here or you go back in time, but I'm not answering any of your questions. So... Uh, the podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. On our march to 1,000 five-star ratings, we are ratings, and we love the reviews as well. We are at 460. The uh, how about this for the review of the week? This is from Whoopsie, and it is Spike and Mike are my buddies. And he says, on the worst night of my life, Sam Hickey resigned, and my buddies launched an emergency podcast. On the second worst night of my life, the Sixers drafted Jaleel Okafor, and my buddies launched an emergency podcast. On the third worst night of my life, my entire family was killed in a plane crash, and I had to miss the podcast. These gonzo podcasters are on the right side of history. I was fr- surprised to find myself emotional when Hickey resigned. My wife didn't get it. These guys get it. TTP. Five stars. Those are the kind of reviews we like. We love your five-star reviews on iTunes. So the lottery party. How many days away are we? 38 days away from the lottery party. Yep. Um, I have a lottery party favor to ask of our friends. I got two emails this week, and one, I missed the guy's follow-up. One guy was from Russia, uh, who is a Ricky listener and was in town this week. And one guy is from the Ukraine and is coming to Philadelphia for the lottery party in May. He has friends, I guess, that go to Iowa State, and he's going to go out to Iowa for part of it, but he convinced them to come to Philadelphia for the lottery party or something, or he's coming here for the lottery party. So he asked me, he seems like, a, his name is uh, Vitali, and he, uh, he sent me Sergei, Sergei Lishuk uh, highlights to watch, and, um, and needs a place to stay, 
And I would like, we had a couple of people on Twitter sort of half volunteer. I would like somebody to email us at writesrickysanchez.com. He's going to be here the night of the 16th and the 17th. Sergey needs somewhere to stay. He's a process truster from the Ukraine. And as, uh, as our liberal agenda, um, we like to welcome those from other countries and give them give them a place to stay. So if somebody has a place for him to stay, if you're a college student or if you're just a, a single fella who has an extra room, we would love to have this guy stay somewhere. So, um, Love it. 38 days away from the lottery party. Again, we it is sold out, but we will release a limited number of tickets on May 15th at 10 a.m. That is the Monday beforehand. Of course, we're going to retire Sam's number. We're going to have the, the Vlade photo booth, the Rebel photo booth, the podcast afterwards, and the L.L. Pavorsky engagement. If you want to win that engagement ring and you want to propose at the lottery party, go to writesrikisanchez.com to, uh, to register for that contest. And how, how, how many do we have submissions? Um, I would say uh, I haven't looked. Um, just under 20, I think we were at last check. Which, That's unreal. Which how, is, many think, how many do you think are real? All of them. I, like Honestly, when you go and you read them, I, I, I think I've read – I think I had read 12 the last time I checked. They're all real. Yeah, And you know why I know? Because I recognize the names as people who have tweeted at us for years or like these, these are real things. These people are real people and they're going to do it. And I know – like I, I want to offer some context. That is a – even more than three people is a fantastic number of people who would be willing to do this. It's not just about winning the ring. It's about getting engaged at the lottery party. And when you read the reasons, these are – they're fantastic. So whoever gets it, it will be fantastic. And I have – and I'll explain to you off the pod, but – uh, the T-shirts, the uh, the Process is Dead T-shirts, those two versions, the Metal and the Emo one and the Nerlens one. Uh, these T-shirts, as far as what I know, and there's a very, very, very solid possibility they will not be around after the um, after the lottery party happens. So if you want- well, that's the same the same thing with. Uh... Yeah, the one I'm currently yeah. wearing right now with all the names on the back. Yeah, so if you want one of these T-shirts, and remember, the profits go to um, our two charities, being uh, the Alzheimer's Association and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, the T-shirts are awesome; they're great quality, They've, and they they ship right away. And if you want them for uh, the lottery party, you have to order by May first. But they're not going to be around. I, I don't even know if they'll be around after May first. So uh, if you want to order them. Go ahead and order them. They're great shirts um, from the folks over at, at Cheesesteak Tees. And I'll also say I reached out to the uh, Alzheimer's Association, of course, was there at the lottery party last year. I reached out to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence to get their W-9 forms so we could make the donations. And I, uh, they won't be able to be on site because they're not based here, but they were thrilled and confused about our <laughs> donations. So Perfect. All right, so here's what we have on the podcast. Um, I want to mention – uh, we, I want to talk about the other podcasts that were Ricky involved this week. Of course, your visit to the Lakers Kings Tankathon. We have to talk about the Orlando Whiteboard and the Aaron Gordon Sarich um, question mark trade. The potential that Ben Simmons has grown two inches and the potential that he hasn't. The Markel Fultz Sixers visit and the MVP race. I, I think we have to uh, to give our thoughts at the end. And then, uh, and then a jigsaw at the end. So I think we have to start, obviously, with the Lakers-Kings game. And we mentioned on the last pod that you had actually spent actual money to go to this game. Yeah. I don't I, – I wrote about it on Liberty Ballers. You could read more about it if you want. But uh, it – I really don't like – you're a big go-to-the-games guy, and I'm just not. Um, well, and I will say to you, I will say to you about me being a, a go-to-the-games guy, I will say that – I like it a lot more when the Sixers are – and this has nothing to do with like – like I, I don't hate fans or anything. I just don't like crowds. So when the Sixers have been bad, the games have been pretty enjoyable for me to go to because I go in, go out, can stretch out, you know, just sort of watch the game. I like watching it live because you see everything. But the actual process of going to a like a sold-out game or something is nothing but hassle, and I don't enjoy that. So I want to get that in there. So. Yeah, it's just uh, it's you know, a lot of hassle. I, I think the the experience of watching from home is so good, right? That like to spend all that money, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I go like once a year to a game, and I I've decided that it's like if I'm gonna go, let's go big rather than two like shitty seats. Let's pay for one 
like really good one. So I so we set some pretty good seats using SeatGeek. Not even they don't even sponsor the podcast, but I'll say I use SeatGeek. Yeah, and and, uh, and you don't you, you we have no promo code, so you don't get twenty dollars no. off your first purchase. No, 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 you don't get anything. But let's talk um, about Casper mattresses. No, I'm just kidding. all right. Continue. <laughs> it uh, it was. It was a packed crowd. I was actually a little impressed. It was I was I was ready to be, to be like dismissive of the Lakers tanking effort. But a, a Friday night at the Staples Center, even for Lakers Kings at the end of the season, uh, it, there was I didn't see it wasn't like, it wasn't like a Hawks game or anything. Uh, it was, it was the it was such a bad game, it, but it it ended up being one of the most exciting games ever. I was I had the aisle seat, so. By the at the end, I was sort of jumping up and down in the aisles. <laughs> I really got into it. And, now, and now, were you can, wait? Can I ask you how were the Lakers fans like reacting to the game? Because if you read, you know, general fans like when teams win, but when you read that the Lakers fans online, like they are fully into the um, like they need to lose. They're scared to death of losing that pick. So, how were the Lakers fans reacting in person? I think I mean I think the the same way that Sixers fans would be. I think they were just rooting for the win. Right, I think there were right, probably right. some people that were scattered around that were more conscious of the fact that they would be losing the 2017 and 2019 picks if if it conveys. Um but I think they were just rooting for wins, which which I get. Um but what was going to say? The Alyssa was cuz Alyssa knows why I I'm rooting for the Lakers to win. She can tell that I'm a fraud, uh, <laughs> and so she, she, as I'm like jumping up and down in the aisle when like D'Angelo finally hits a fucking shot, uh, she's got this like <laughs> disappointed but amused grin on her face, where she's like, "You idiot, you <laughs> yeah. suck." But it was, uh, it was really fun. It was like it was, it was fun to be so heavily rooting for a team that wasn't the Sixers in person you know it's like never really happened before I've never just gone to a game and like been like incredibly invested in another team and uh I was the Suns game ended or happened while I was there so I I, people were tweeting me about it but I I was I was I was singularly focused on this game all my energy was going into it and it was uh it worked out the right way yeah that's great that Corey Brewer play was a really good play I uh, I sort of like. Did you stay awake? No, I, uh, come on. Well, I was awake. I went to see Andrew McMahon with my wife at. Uh, I'll tell you the Fillmore. You mean and, Shane McMahon? No, uh, Andrew McMahon, former lead okay. singer of uh, something corporate. Andrew McMahon. I'll tell you, uh, you don't live here anymore. There's a new music venue called the Fillmore, which is I've never been there before. It's in Fishtown. Holy moly, it's so nice. Um, but I came home and I watched the highlight. Pa- I watched a highlight package this morning. I sort of like Corey. There's uh, Corey Brewer is a player who probably isn't isn't good, but I sort of like Corey Brewer anyway. Yeah, he's not good. He's yeah. not good. He's also the best player in Sixers history. Yeah, this game was incredibly huge for us. It was the it was the ultimate game. It really was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially given. The fact that how the La- late the season it is. Yes, and the Lakers are trying so hard to lose and have won three in a row, which is unreal. And yeah. the fact that the Suns have caught them, like it seemed, there was a point in the season, I would say mid-season-ish, when we were like, when the Lakers were at their worst, when when people were like, "Hey, do we? How do we know that they're not going to be the worst team in the league?" You know, there mm-hmm. was some talk about that, and the fact that they're third uh, is really incredible, and. Uh, Boy, it would be nice to get that pick. It would be really nice to get that pick. It, I, I, do, I honestly go two ways about it because having an unprotected pick next year is a cool roll of the dice. I think people are very worried about Paul George going to L.A. Dude, possibly rightfully so, but it's it's also. You, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Dude, I, the, I think the fact that they could also lose the 2019 pick uh, to Orlando was awesome. Be, would be pretty sweet as well. And I'll say this about Paul George going there. Like, how many how many free agents have to quote want to go to the Lakers before we start realizing that people are using the Lakers to like scare their own team and other teams <laughs> rather than go there? Russell Westbrook, Lamarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, like like when when they sign 
a, a free agent who isn't Luol Deng or Timofey Mozgov or Nick Young or something, then then call me and and that's when I'll because honestly, like I I just don't believe it until it happens anymore. So so. I don't believe that Paul George actually wants to go there until Paul George goes there. Another thing that you wrote in your thing, I am, you know, sometimes we are on the same page. Sometimes we're on opposite pages. Sometimes we're on opposite pages for the sake of being on opposite pages because it's funny. True. We are on a very similar D'Angelo Russell page. Like, he is so fucking annoying to look at. He's just annoying to look at. Because of and you're right, like his face, like there's something about he he I just don't think he cares, I just think he's a now maybe he'll grow out of it, he's young, you know, but uh, I'm not totally opposed to the idea that he could be good one day, but I don't think he's he's good yet, and uh he's very annoying to look at, oh, I hate watching him, yeah. I hate it. He's just such a he, – he's trying so desperately hard to be cool. And I'm sure like most players in the NBA are and all of sports are. But it's it's it reads so obvious on him and the fact that he's like – I don't know. I just don't – I don't like the, I don't like anything about him. I like that he's lefty. It's the only thing I like about him is that he's lefty. He's, he's – uh, I mean like obviously, obviously I wish the Lakers took Julio Logofer and we could have taken – D'Angelo or Stanley Johnson or Hazonia or Justice Winslow, any of those guys. But or Porzingis, I guess. But Jesus. He's just brutal to watch. I'd rather have our motley crew of the point guards the last two years, including obviously TJ. I just I don't think I can I make can I can I make a bold prediction here? Yeah. I don't think D'Angelo Russell will ever play in a playoff game. In his career. So it's funny you say that. When I was in college, I remember saying something about Nick Van Exel. I never liked Nick Van Exel. And I oh, said, I love Nick Van Exel. And I said to somebody, I was like, I guarantee you he's never going to be on a championship team. I was like, I just guarantee it. There's no way. The fact that you're saying D'Angelo Russell will never play in a playoff game is yeah. hilarious. And I yeah. fully endorse it. And I'll say this. As many people who have blamed me for being super mean and anti-Jalil Okafor over the last two years. And I I feel like I've, I've come off that corner, at least in terms of the my vigor in it. You you can only... If, if D'Angelo Russell had been here, I would have been a nightmare. I would have been like way worse than I was to Jaleel Okafor, I think. Because I don't, I don't think I would have been able to stomach watching D'Angelo Russell for two years. I would have been pretty terrible about it. So uh, He's brutal. Do you like... I, I, I like... I, I, I was lukewarm on Ingram so far this season, have the the handful of times that I've watched, but he really, really looked very aggressive, and they were letting him pretty much run point for a while. They were playing D'Angelo off the ball because they, they they are like trying to, I think, prepare themselves for like a world where they have yeah. the, well Lonzo yeah because yeah. Lonzo is another guy that is trying to muscle his way to L.A. with his stupid dad, and. It would be just so sweet to to watch them not have it. After what Luke said about tanking, tanking all of it. Yeah. Just all of it, all of it, all of it. The uh, – uh, Ingram – I've only watched like three Lakers games and I haven't – like admittedly I haven't seen a ton of Ingram. I'm, I was never uh, – like I was pretty clear Ben Simmons and I was never that super high on him. But that said, I'm also like the fact that he's not having a great rookie year is not – I don't think is – condemns the rest of his career at all he obviously physically obviously he is just he is pretty far away as far away as we've had guys that have been physically far away like Nerlens, like ingram is further away physically when he started so i i think he'll i i don't yeah i I don't have a doubt that he'll be fine he had to take um aaron aflalo was covering him aflalo used to be a good defender and he's now just like old and strong enough to to have that sort of like if you take me into the post i'm not going to move thing um, and he tried to, Ingram tried to do a lot of like just his sort of one foot shoot over him. I'm six eleven kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, but, and it didn't, it wasn't very successful, but then he, when he's operating from the, when he has guys that are like, if he's playing point forward and he has point power forwards covering him, like Thomas Robinson or whoever, he can just get by him. So it's. And he is—he—he's not strong yet, but he's—he's he's not afraid of contact, which I think is important. Sure. Um, I think it's gonna be good, and I like Julius Randle too for 
for whatever reason. Yeah, I just think no. he's I think he's a good good like you don't have to give him the ball, but he'll just go get his rebounds and like put backs and Again, I like a lefty. I can't I don't know. That's my he, thing. He's okay. I I think he has a career destined to be like faddish and then if he, he if he doesn't end up on like a uh, like the eighth man or the the fifth best starter on a really great team. I, I don't know where his. I think he'll he'll be in the league. That's we go opinion. we go the opposite way on the on the on the fat guys. Some some guys that like fat and unathletic. I get it. Fat and like athletic. Those the, that's my wheelhouse. Like <laughs> like that's why like I like Christian Wood. Bennett. Yeah. No, he's not. I mean, he's skinny fat. I'm yeah, talking but about he's still fat. Julius Randle, yeah. Miles Bridges. If you saw Miles Bridges play at Michigan State this year. Uh, I mean, Anthony Bennett is the ultimate. But well, did you um, like Tractor Trailer? Tractor Trailer was uh, Robert Trailer was fat and athletic, or is he too? Is he too before your time? I, he, his athletic era was before my time. Okay, yeah. I just remember the lumbering fat era. Uh, R.I.P. So before we get to the uh, the magic whiteboard, uh, two uh, two podcasts gave us some love this week. The first one in the week that happened. Was um, well, love. I guess is a is 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 sort of a. Uh, I say sarcastically on uh, on open floor on Sharp and Gulliver's podcast. They have. I I, I sent Gulliver a a critical a mailbag question for Andrew Sharp, and they ended up reading it. And Sharp referred to me as the Steve Bannon of Alt Sixers. Yeah, which I thought was a pretty backhanded, <laughs> uh, pretty backhanded compliment. But they mentioned the podcast several times, so thank you that. And then you appeared on the. And by the way, I, I watch iTunes charts a lot, so we definitely got a bump from this. Uh, you appeared on the um, on the Watch Pod with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald to talk about trial and error. And uh, Chris and Andy gave the podcast like probably the most ringing endorsement of anyone I've ever heard in the history of anything. So yeah, it was weird that. to be in person for it. Yeah, I felt like I had yeah. to disagree with them. Yeah, Chris said it was like a, a seminal part of the Philadelphia sports culture or something. I was like, what the what the fuck, man? Like, Wild. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Yeah, no, it was cool. Yeah, and we uh, and they gave you a, a good amount of time to talk about trial and error. So that was good. I mean, a lot of people listen to that, so that was good. So thank you, all you guys. And it's, I started to think about, you know, uh, I mean, I've said on the pod a million times, I've been a uh, a Bill Simmons guy for a while. But when you look at the Ringer, the Ringer does not exist without Philadelphia. I mean, like there are so many valuable pieces of his whole ethos over there that is or not ethos of ecosystem over there that is philadelphia from ryan mm-hmm. to greenwald and bauman and i think there's somebody else over there that was um that is i mean the ringer the ringer is basically a philadelphia sports website so i agree i mean detroit oh bodner writes for them dietrich who's yeah. not from philadelphia but is a, a, a sixers guy so all right so it, we're we're kind of late on this and that it happened earlier in the week but we have to talk about it was the the Orlando Magic whiteboard incident earlier this week where they signed some guy. I'm sure you know the name of the guy. Who was the guy? I think it's Patricio Garino. And his agent took a picture. First of all, why is the guy sitting in front of the Magic whiteboard of off-season plans at all? Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, why are they signing him in there? Why do they want him to see it? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I don't blame them. The... Or his agent. Why is his agent in there seeing it? Yes. You know? I don't yeah. blame them. Like the agent or the magic for like, oh, you happen to be in front of a whiteboard. Like like if in – like so on trial and error, like if we had somebody come to the show, we would have them come in the writer's room and we'd talk to them whatever. And there would be stuff on the whiteboards in the writer's room that we probably wouldn't want people to see. But we'd erase it before they got there. So I – it, how do you not, as an NBA team, which is, should be much more secretive than a fucking network comedy, just have have your signing meetings in your like decision making den? It's an incredibly magic thing to do. Well, and then for uh, Rob Hennigan is the GM there, right? To afterwards say, ah, eh, it's not that big a deal. It's just like. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Actually, did he? I, yes. didn't, I didn't see any quotes from them afterwards. Yeah, yeah. He 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 lowered the importance of it. And I was just – like all I could think was like it's sort of like saying, you know, you go to pick your, your car up from the uh, from the mechanic, right? They put new brakes on your car. 
and you drive home and everything's okay. But when you get home, you realize that all of the lug nuts are off the car. Like they didn't put any of the lug nuts on. And and you freak out and you call them and they're like, eh, you got home safe, didn't you? It's not that big a deal. It's like, well, yeah, you know, it might not have ruined anything and I might still be alive, but it was still pretty fucking stupid. And to have that picture go out, I don't know. It was amazing. So, so one of the things, so how does this? I want to, I want to know what Hinky thinks of it. Oh yeah. Oh, come on. That's the, that's the least Sam Hinky picture of all time. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Except for, except for signing a. A guy nobody's heard of to a ten, gig, ten day contract. Yeah, that was the that was very Sixers of it, and uh, uh, yeah, but to have anybody in the room with the whiteboard, like anybody at all, except for Do you think Ed, there's no way he Sam even had a whiteboard. No, it's all in his head. No, there was Sam sat down with Sachin Gupta and uh, and Ben Falk, and he would explain to them their whiteboard, his whiteboard. He would make them memorize it, and then <laughs> they would have to leave. They would have to have everything memorized. I, I would imagine these guys. When we, by the way, we got to try to get Ben Falk on the podcast now that he has his new website, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, cleaning the glass is that the name of the website? I think that it is. Yeah. Congratulations, Ben Falk, on the new website. Come on the podcast. We won't everybody ask. Everybody has a fucking website. Yeah, everybody has a. I can't wait to the Ben Falk fucking podcast. So Bernie Sanders just had a just opened a podcast. Come on, guys. We we started podcast. <laughs> yeah, we were the first ones. We were the first ones. So get, get your own medium. So how does the the Orlando thing affect the Sixers? Well, because there was a thing, there was a section of their whiteboard that said hybrids, and these were you know fours that could dribble and kind of shoot basically. And there was a thing on there that had Dario Saric's name, and it said Saric, and then in parentheses it said four AG question mark. You know, if if for nothing else, the fact that that a picture leaked of one of your own players being mentioned on your whiteboard trade talks, you know, is sort of shitty for Aaron Gordon. Yeah. So, uh, so that erupted into a mini, like, oh, could you believe that so-and-so? So here's yeah. the question I want to discuss with you. Uh, I, w- I have two questions because the search for Aaron Gordon thing exists on two levels. There, there's the first player-for-player player thing, but the fact that they're in such different positions in their contract evolution, I think, makes it a much more, a much different conversation. Like, I think you're going to have to pay Aaron Gordon after next year, right? I, I think yeah. that's where Aaron Gordon is. Yeah. So, I would say player-for-player, player, if, if they were in the in the same player situation, I would trade stars for Aaron Gordon. I would. I, I Like, I just... I would. And like I, in a in a... In a vacuum or yeah. on this Sixers team? Uh, on the Sixers team. And I think even in a vacuum. And this isn't a negative. I know in the sort of world, if you say, if I say that I would take Aaron Gordon over Dario Sarch, that means I'm saying that I don't like Dario. And that's not true. I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Aaron Gordon has been misused so incredibly that if he was in a good position, I just think of him... He's sort of one of those guys that if he wound up on the Spurs, you can't talk me out of the fact that he wouldn't have turned into that he wouldn't have developed like Kawhi Leonard would have developed. And I just think he if he if you if you grew him right, he would learn how to shoot corner threes and he's so athletic and I just I like Aaron Gordon and I would trade Dario for Aaron Gordon, but the contract thing sort of screws it all up. That's my position yeah. on it. People t- we talk a lot about or in, when you talk about scouting players, whatever, who's athletic and stuff. Aaron Gordon is maybe the most athletic player in the league. Yeah. Uh, he's incre- he's incredibly good at defense. Obviously, he's still young, so he's got room to grow defensively in terms of his defensive IQ, but he's he's really, really good. I don't know that I would tra- – contracts aside, because obviously I don't think either of us would do that right now, but – Fit-wise with Simmons, neither Dario nor Gordon kind of work offensively. Um, actually, a little offense. I mean, Dario, if Dario's shooting has improved over the years enough to where if we can keep projecting it as improving to league average, 35 36%, plus his passing, I'm, in, I'm excited to see those lineups together. Uh, defensively is where that lineup fails a little bit the dario right uh uh simmons lineup with either Embiid or rashawn or whoever behind him um because you just really don't simmons can has the foot speed to to cover guys in the perimeter but 
one of his elite talents is rebounding, defensive rebounding, and you'd rather have him under the near near closer to the basket so he can just pull down rebounds and 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 tuck it and go. Um, with Gordon, he obviously the shot is it is a huge issue, but defensively with Simmons and and Embiid, a Gordon Simmons Embiid lineup would be insane with Covington. I mean, it, was, it would be a totally insane defensive. They would one of the best defensive lineups in the league. That's how good it would be. It's unreal. Uh, so I I probably just for the sake of like player for player. If we're not talking about contracts, which we would have to, but I I think he certainly has Gordon certainly has the upside and a level of athleticism that the Sixers the Sixers team does not have even a little bit. Um, and and I've it's always been a little uh, redundancy to have Sarich with with Simmons. I want to see it together before I'm ready to like move on from it, but. Uh, I'm not. I wouldn't be excited to make that trade. That wouldn't be like a oh, please let it happen right now. But I think I'd. I think contracts aside, I think I think you'd kind of have to just because he's so he's such a talent and athletic and everything. And even though Dario is incredible and scores and does things in his very Dario way, and probably figures despite his lack of athleticism and foot speed, you got to assume he's going to keep getting better-ish. Right. And happy bar- birthday, Dario, by the way. Happy birthday, Dario. We're tw- trading you. Yeah, We're tw- trading you 23 years old. Yep. Uh, I'd probably do it. But um, I love him and I don't, wa- I don't want him to go. But I love, I love that it, it is a mark of how good he has become that Orlando is willing to consider trading what is pretty much their franchise player right. for a guy that we don't know if he's ever going to come over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we it's taken us a few minutes into the conversation to even talk about the fact that they'd be trading for a guy who still has not come over and never and might never. Yeah, and and to to your point, um I I just think in terms of fit. First of all, just in terms of non-fit, but in terms of fit, very simply, I think there's a better chance of Aaron Gordon fitting in the right way than Dario fitting in the right way with Simmons. And, I probably think so too. Yeah. But, but I mean, I'm not, you know, that sort of is what it is, but I thought it was, um, the whole situation was pretty amusing. Like, especially because that, uh, what's his name? Hennigan was there when, when that hinky trade happened, right? Hennigan. Yes. I believe. So, so. the fact that Hennigan had, Two opportunities to select Dario himself. Yeah, and he gave up an extra first round pick. And he and he, yeah. and he gave up that that uh, that Doug Collins first round pick in the process. Yep, is pretty sweet. It's got to feel good for Dario. Just a sim the lottery on Tankathon. Orlando got number one, Phoenix number two, and the Sixers get three and five. I would love that. Um, now, and here's the other thing I like about I would that. feel guilty. I've, I've talked to you about this before, but I would feel guilty if the Sixers got the number one pick. If it happened via pick swap, then I wouldn't feel guilty. But if it happened, just Sixers go from like four to one or five to one, I would feel tremendous. Something more bad things are going to happen because of this good fortune that we've gotten. But well, the Kings moving up from seven to one and swapping, that I'd would be it would that the the pick swap bones in me would be too happy to and it would outweigh any guilt that i would have pretty unreal if you're a king's fan to go in knowing that it's impossible that you will get the first pick impossible like you have potentially two lottery picks between the new orleans one and the sixers one yeah and and you have no chance to get number one like that is the most unhinky thing that there is and speaking of hinky uh thursday oh and by the way in this one brooklyn gets the fourth pick uh, which means Boston gets a fourth pick, which makes it even better. I, I might even give up the number one pick and take two to get Brooklyn to, and Boston to four. That would be fantastic. Um, it has been Thursday was the one-year anniversary of when Sam walked away, and we will talk about that right after we talk about our incredible sponsor. That is L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, uh, who has been our sponsor for uh, – almost two years now. And LL 
is has sold his 34th and 35th engagement rings over the last week or so to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners, which is, again, unreal. Uh, the ring he is giving away at the lottery party has a retail value of about $7,500. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous engagement ring. And one rights to Ricky Sanchez listener will walk away with it after proposing in front of 3,000 maniacs at the lottery party. Um, now, that person will win, but he is not, he or she is not the only winner because everyone's a winner when you go and buy an engagement ring from LL Pavorsky Jewelers. How do you like that? You like that? Oh, I love it. It's, it's a go, – going to LL is like the lottery, but every ping pong ball has your face on it. That's sort of what it's like because you're always a winner. LL is going to, uh, to take the time and the care and the, um, and the know-how to get you a great, beautiful engagement ring at a fantastic price and make you walk away feeling like you have uh, – you have really done the right thing with the right guy. So if you're going to buy an engagement ring, and by the way, this is any price range, any price range whatsoever, he'll figure it out. What you got to do, though, is before you go in there wanting to buy an engagement ring, you have to reach out to LL so he makes the first meeting really impactful. So he has everything picked out for you, knows your price range, what you're looking for. Call him at the shop, 215-627-2252. You could email him by going to LLPavorsky.com. You could tweet him at LLPavorsky, and the store is right there at 707 Walnut in Philadelphia. He's even got chocolate waiting for you, a little Hershey's, Hershey's with almonds, everyone who goes in. Even if you don't buy anything, you can still walk away with some of the chocolate. So there you go. Uh, we love LL, and we are proud to have him as our sponsor. And, of course, as our, our sponsor of the podcast, LL makes generous donations to the Alzheimer's Association of the Delaware Valley and the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Everyone's a winner. Everyone's a king, but the kings are not winners. Picks up forever. Yeah, I like that one too. It's another good one. You're on sort of a roll when you remember Feeling to good. do them. Feeling it. That's right, when I remember to do them. April 6, 2016 is when the the 13-page letter uh, leaked onto the internet by Mark Stein, and Sam Hinkie was no longer the president of basketball operations and the general manager for the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a year on Thursday. And I've got to say, I believe that it has been, it's been a weird year uh, as far as the Sixers go. It's always a weird year, but it's been for me, I would say in the the length of the process through through the beginning, if we were talking about from the minute he got hired to today, I believe it has been the longest year. And uh, really, yeah, it has been like, oh, I disagree. I think this is the shortest one. For me. Oh, my God. I, I don't know, man. I as optimistic as you are, I am still I'm so nervous, I guess. And I About know what? Well, look, man, let's let's be honest. We got out of this year and really the only positive thing we took out of this year was the 30 games of Embiid. But it, I am. That's so, not true. That's not true. Well, what else? And Covington, who we're going to have to pay fifteen million dollars a year to get. Happily. But, yeah, I guess. But but. Dario. I guess. Dario playing and and being. Good. He had he had almost. I, I hope this isn't this doesn't go away, but maybe it would. But do you remember in like oh eight or oh nine? I think it was oh eight. Thad had that like month and a half where he was the focal point of the offense and he was pretty dominant as like a rookie or second year player and it was it led him into then he like got hurt just before the uh playoffs when they played Orlando and then Thad had that um Thad had that play where he like scooted around Dwight Howard yes. for the for the layup mm-hmm that had that like month, month and a half where he was dominant. And that's what Dario had also. Obviously, I think Dario will be the more impactful offensive player. But that's what it felt like to me. So I think that we, the fact that we know that Dario is capable of that and hopefully running second unit for this team for a long time, I think that is good. I would also say TJ's improvement, Luau being a pretty immediate contributor. He's had an incredible April. 
there's there's and Rashawn's improvement. There's a, like there's a lot there's there's a lot to like. I Alex but, Poitras is a sixer. But, however long that left, that that's special to me. But uh, but but wouldn't you agree more than just the thirty-one games of Embiid? I would I would say. Well, but 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 wouldn't you agree that unless Embiid and Simmons are healthy, none of those things matter at all. Certainly, but that's always been the case. There's yeah. nothing that could have happened this season that well, but would have changed that. But but wouldn't? Uh, but I guess my position is the fact that, and this is not the you know Sam Hinkie walking away has nothing to do with either of these things. Well, maybe the Embiid thing. Who knows how they would have ha- handled him if he were here? But the Simmons thing, the guy broke his foot. I don't know. Like the fact that he has a. Uh, he had a Jones fracture and didn't play at all, and Ben Simmons, and the and that the Embiid thing sort of ended up the way it ended up. I think, I, I don't know. It made the season. It's almost like January made the rest of the season even more unbearable to me because sure, sure. because it was such a moment. And I think, I don't know. I just see tweets now, and I, I don't click any of the links, and I don't know what anything means. But, <laughs> <laughs> I see I see the tweets now and I don't click any of the links. It's a really like depressing way to think about it. They But somebody are, said I, Well no, I just yeah, want to say I, let me finish, let me finish. Just have one thing, one thing. That said that like with Embiid on the floor, they have like a you know, a Pythagorean record or like their their point differential is that of like a forty nine win team and with them not on the floor they're a twenty seven win team. And it's just like that that part of it is just like, okay, but I don't you know, is the guy ever going to be on the floor again for an extended period of time? I don't know. I'm, I, the whole year, it started with – it really started with them taking Okafor. But it started with uh, Colangelo coming and then the weird trade t- for Ish Smith and then Sam walking away. And I feel like aside from January, it has been a series of gut punches. And maybe I'm just being negative and I do forget all these positive things, but they all are cast in the shadow of those gut punches. Yes, definitely. There were many gut punches, and I've pretty much become desensitized to it. Covington's meniscus, TJ's ankle's probably just like broken. Whatever, just rest <laughs> everybody. Some, somebody, there's got to be like a Malcolm Lee or a Casper Ware out there to just like play point guard for a little bit, just end the season, lose a couple more games. We're right there. Three more games. Today's the today. We got three more. It, I, I think once we have, and this is always the case, every year, there, there hasn't been a year, God, I can't remember the last year when I wasn't excited for the season to end. Yeah, it's pretty well. Uh, honestly, I didn't want. I know we felt differently about this team, but I did not want the season to end when they were playing Boston in the playoffs that year. I really wanted. Oh, to I be did. Boston. I actively wanted it to end. Yeah, no, not me. Before the before the playoffs, like I was. I was so worried about what would happen if they beat the Bulls, and which they did because everybody got hurt, that I was, at least objectively, I didn't want them to win that series. When I was watching the games and, they were, and it was fun and all this stuff, of course I was rooting for them to win. But I was like, it is better for the franchise if they swiftly lose in the first round so they can realize that they have nowhere to go and should rebuild, which that- happened anyway, even though they almost took Boston to... Six or seven games, uh, seven games. Yeah, seven. the the uh, and and by the way, had Paul Pierce fouled out with a lead in the seventh game, and it was Rajon Rondo threes that that I, I guess I, I took, remember that. Yeah. yeah, and that that is a I, actually I think that is a very um, there's a difference between being there and not being there. I think being there at a lot of those games, and first of all, seeing Andre Iguodala hit free throws to win a playoff yeah. series over the number one seed was awesome. And uh, seeing Drew Holiday hit, thinking about his kids. Yep, and uh, seeing Drew Holiday hit threes against the Celtics and blow kisses to like the Celtics crowd afterwards. It was, I don't know. It was, uh, it was pretty. It was definitely fun to watch. I was yeah. on. I was in. I just knew it was like, it was like when you're at uh, like a music festival and yeah. you're like on all sorts of drugs and you're like, Whoa. I know that this isn't real. I know that eventually I'm going to have to sober up and it's going to be a dark day once that happens. And it and then they lost and it was like, well, we still kind of have nothing to me. But anyway, they rebuilt and it was great. And it yeah. all worked out. 
Now everybody's meniscus is broken, and we have the highest upside in the league. Well, I can't wait to see um, uh, what's it called. Oh, and by the way, another sort of half podcast mention: uh, Kevin O'Connor on the Ringer NBA show with Chris Vernon uh, made the reference, and I know he know I know he he he's been on WIP now, and like we've had a couple of exchanges. He referred to the uh, Nerlens Noel trade as they traded Nerlens for a fake first round pick um, on the Ringer NBA show. So that was another. They didn't give us total credit, but it was certainly, you know, the uh, us seeping into the culture. Um, uh, and and now we wait on on the, the Sam Hinkie free agency, which should be pretty interesting as well. So uh, we miss Sam. It's been a tough year without him. But uh, so here we are. Uh, so the other thing that happened this week was a – it's amazing. You know, it's funny. I say – that I just see the tweets and I don't click on the stories. The Ben Simmons has grown two inches story is the biggest just see the tweets story, I think, uh, of the last several weeks in that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only reason we think he grew two inches is because... Um, it, it seems like to world be free. Yes. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole story. And then John Johnson, who I, I work with at WIP, tweeted out. He's like, yep, somebody just told me he's almost two inches taller, too. I'm like, well, guys, like there is a real direct way to figure out how fucking tall yeah. somebody is. Yes. <laughs> there's no like sample size. Yeah. It's just there's one measurement. Yeah. And World Be Free seems like a great uh, a great guy. But like. You know, I made the joke on Twitter, like when, when you're when you go for your when you're a kid and you go for your physical and they measure you, they don't go, all right, time to measure you. World be free. Come out and estimate it for me. It's like, yeah, like that can't be the whole story because he was almost seven feet tall anyway. He was like yeah. six, nine. It's not right? like he was like six, three. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I think he's seven feet now. And by the way, the last time we got this. Ben Simmons put on size uh, story. It was that he put on 40 pounds and it was a total lie. Like it was yeah. totally wrong. So, and then there was the narrative of that's why he turned his ankle. Yeah. And he didn't put on 40 pounds. He was the same weight that he played at LSU. I don't any, know. any weight or height stories coming out of the Sixers camp in the last like four years, just don't touch him. Yeah. You can't touch Remember, I mean, the, three, the 300 pounds, I guess, Embiid, was yeah he looked kind of fat yeah and by the way that story was planted from within the sixers so like they were they were definitely trying to to get that story out there and he did look fat like you know mb did look fat and clearly we found out he was not taking great care of himself but but as far as like you know the height thing i don't know if if somebody's six nine and then they're six eleven and i just don't know that you can look at it and estimate it and world be free. God bless him. A really sweet guy. But um, I guess I don't need to take his word for it on this. I feel like they could just, they could, they could just measure him. And really could, funny. Yeah. I love it. It's a great story. Yeah. So, uh, and Markel Fultz came to the Sixers Nets game, right? And oh God. What a, what a game for him to show up at. Yeah, I know. Just getting blown out by the, the worst team in the That's what, that's what, I worry about is that no. he doesn't have the context that all these guys are injured. He probably knows Embiid's not playing, but I, yeah, it's, you almost need someone like, imagine me sitting next to him just being like, okay, so actually here's what happened. So Orlando owned our pick. They owned it because of a, fo- a former trade. And so what we did, we got it back. We got it. It was the back. Like I tell him the ex- entire transaction history of, of, of the process that led us to this point. So it's like, so it's really like they're really in good shape. They're really in good shape. And these guys, you know, these aren't the guys that are going to be there forever. Like, Gerald Henderson is just like, there. Don't worry about him. Don't focus on him. I think that would be good. I think he needs my help. <laughs> yeah, well, you should – have you volunteered it yet? Yeah, I should have sat next to him at the game. Yeah. Now, that I'm a game now that I'm a game guy. Yeah, I, I hope he has enough context to understand it. Though, if you're a 19-year-old kid um, – and they're like, hey, you can go to the Celtics where they're already good or the Lakers. I don't know. Yeah. But you know what? He doesn't really have a choice. So he'll go yeah. whoever drafts him and he'll be happy. And, you know, just don't ever forget the uh, the Zach Levine, like, head on the table sadness after, you know, being drafted. You you go wherever they draft you. So Yeah, that's why the Lonzo Ball stuff is, is really just – obnoxious you can say hey i'd love to play for my hometown team but like 
it's so it's so much and it just all of it makes it feel like lavar ball is destined to be a sixers dad and i'm gonna fucking lose my mind yeah and especially when i've already said that my first big board youtube big board statement is that i'm out on lonzo ball would be really hurtful for all of us i think he's a really smart player and does a lot of cool things on the court and would be great on a catch and shoot but there's a lot of things to worry about with him people talking about him as the number one pick is like an insane thing to have to to have him over Fultz. I hope someone does so we can get the number two pick and take Fultz. That'd be great. Well, would the Lakers uh, have to take? So the Lakers go number one. Do they take Ball? I think that they. I think that's an incredibly Lakers thing to do. And yes, they would. I would love to see that happen. That would be interesting. That would be super interesting. I think it would be interesting for us having the number two pick to think that that might happen too. That we that we get two, but we still end up with Fultz. And you, yeah. well, I don't want to talk about the draft yet, but just real quickly, even though Fultz, based on what I understand, is sort of a less great fit with Simmons because he sort of more needs the ballie, you would still take Fultz, no question, number one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah easily. He, and and. He's a good passer. He, I don't think you can look at what he did at Washington because his teammates were like very bad and the coach was bad that, and say like, oh, he can't play off the ball or he can't do this or that. He's, he's, uh, he's a, his shooting isn't elite by any means, but I, I, he, should, he figures to be a, a good shooter. He's better than like where John Wall was as a shooter. At, he's, he'll, be, he'll be fine. I, I, it's, it'd be really fun. And also – Getting like three and six or whatever, three and five, would also be a lot of fun, mix and match. Because then I wouldn't feel as bad, and again, draft stuff, I wouldn't feel as bad taking Malik Monk if if you get a guy who can play defense with the first the first of those picks. If you if you if you if we only end up with Monk out of this, I will be very uneasy. But if it's a just uh, Josh Jackson and Monk or a John Isaac and Monk, then I then I it. it cushions the blow a little bit so here are the things i have left and i'm making an executive decision so the executive decision is this we have the mvp race and the jigsaw i am bailing on the jigsaw in order to talk about the leftovers which premieres tomorrow night because you, <laughs> you watch the first two seasons right i watched the first one i haven't seen the second season oh yet. then we won't talk about it then yeah. oh my god yeah you should definitely watch this i know it's been on my list been on my list yeah well and i want to you know now that we talked about the watch guys, they're going to have they, – they hinted they're going to have Damon Lindelof on to talk about – I wonder how they got him. Um, <laughs> being that uh, the HBO uh, runs the leftovers. But uh, yeah. but Andy good, good Andy was – Greenwald has, was super high on the leftovers season two and has been like, you know, they're going to do this big leftovers launch and did nothing but mock me for liking Leftovers Season 1 and has said that you don't even need to watch Leftovers Season 1. Leftovers Season 1 is really good. You just... It's 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 the most overwatched season of any show I've ever seen. It's really good. It's just it's, hard to it's watch. So I, that, that opening, the, the opening title sequence is so bad. But that's it's what, so it's that, awful. But it's that's so what it's over about. The top. It's so over the top. But it's, it, like, it's about that. It made me cringe. It was really... Until it got, there were a couple episodes where it got good, but it was a hate watch for me for for a bit, like a real hate watch. The show was about the fucking rapture. That's what it was about. Yeah, but it could, but it could have some sense of awareness. It doesn't have to say, "Hey, this is this is the actual rapture." It's still a television show. Wow, whatever. Not teaching fucking Bible lesson. Wow, look at that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like religion as a completely non-religious person, and I will tell you, I'm super unreligious, at like a hundred percent unreligious. I will tell you that I really like religious imagery stuff like that. Oh the, yeah, I don't mind that at all. I thought that it was cool in some ways. I just thought it was so ham-fisted and so like everybody's so sad and mad and angsty. It's well, like two percent no. of the world's population just disappeared. Disappeared. I know, but people would still be making jokes. We'd still be having fucking Twitter. We almost went to war with Syria, and still people were still twi- tw- tweeting about like Hawks Jazz. Like, we're all. It's all gonna. It's not gonna. It's never gonna stop. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think Twitter exists in the leftovers world. I don't see anybody tweeting. <laughs> I don't see anybody counting faves on the leftovers. Two, all two percent of the people that. That left were yeah. Twitter users. <laughs> God, that would be bad. That, well. That's about the country, the, the part of the world that's Twitter user. And as Carrie Coon is so good in it, she's such, she's such a great actress. 
Um, all right. She's going to be in Fargo season three. Yeah, I saw, and it made me more excited for Fargo season three. Fargo is a show that I know objectively is good, but I fall asleep during all the time. Um, but oh, having, man. having her in it, I think she is. I was trying to, for uh, my, my other unnamed podcast, I was trying to think about doing an episode about the five my my five favorite current actors and actresses and I think Carrie Coon is definitely on the uh the actresses list. She's did you did you like Gone Girl? No. Not at all. No, no, not not at all. Okay. I I thought it was okay. Have you only watched it once? Uh yeah. Gone Girl is a sort of movie like you laughed at me for liking Vanilla Sky once. I like Gone Girl in the same way that I, I don't like it as much as Vanilla Sky, but the more I watch it, the more I like Gone Girl because I feel like it's a different movie than I thought I wa- it was when I – the more I watch it. Yeah. I don't know. I like everyone's performance in it. All right. That's true. MVP race. Let's wrap up with that then. Uh, Can I say I yeah. have I have almost no take here. Okay. I have well, almost – I think I, I can make the case for all four guys. Right. All four being just and... to, to frame it, Harden, Westbrook, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. Yes. The the fact that LeBron is the best player of all time probably and having arguably his best season, it's hard to not give it to him. To you know? LeBron, yeah. Yeah. And but, yet and yet still remarkably easy not to give for everyone for us not to give it to him, believe it or yes. not. Yeah. It's hard for me personally not to yeah. and uh I think I, I'm gonna rule Harden out just because defense has to matter. It just has uh, to. It's half the game. Well, okay. It, it ha- well, then, then you have to rule Westbrook out too. Then, and I and I would rule Westbrook out to. Yeah. Sl- I mean, I think Westbrook's a better defender by a little bit, but uh, I I'd give it to Kawhi. Okay, is who I'd give. My thought, and I and I, I I don't begrudge anybody for their takes. Yeah, I just think you have to consider defense. It's not the most valuable offensive player. It's you have to consider both, and they and the Spurs are asking Kawhi to do so much on both ends of the court. And and LeBron too. I I would not begrudge anybody give it to to LeBron, but uh, Kawhi's just so good on defense, and there's no they have no business as a team being as good as they are, and they really really are. It's just insane. Yeah, I would. I'm not a Kawhi guy, but when you look at his, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm a LeBron guy. Um, I, when you look at everyone's supporting cast except for LeBron, you say. Wow, he's really doing it with a cast that isn't that good. And then you look at LeBron, and like, not only did he sort of pick everybody that he plays with, but he also has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, and like, he's got the most all stars on his team. Now, I don't want to uh, penalize him for that, and I still think it's pretty without question that he's the best player in the NBA. You know, if you want to win any game and you could pick any one guy to start with, you have to start with LeBron. I don't think that that's the case. You know, he obviously doesn't defend during the regular season like he used to as he's trying to conserve himself. Yeah. I Here's, here's I would pick Harden. Um, like, if, if, if you're doing the Harden versus Westbrook thing, here's what, I, without any hyperbole about, uh, about Westbrook or to get too takey about it. When we started the, when we, before the season on the podcast, people pretty much saw, looked at the team, the supporting cast, and even I think their, their over underlines for the, the Rockets and the Thunder and were like about the same over underline for wins. And the Rockets are substantially better, I think, and have been this season. And Harden has been pretty amazing. So if you whittle it down to Westbrook and Harden, if if that's what it ends up being, I think it's Harden, um, I think, pretty easily over Westbrook, I I think. Um, But you make a good argument. I I think I count LeBron out because I know he's not going to win it, I think. Uh, And it's weird because, I mean, not that people are going to forget about LeBron, but he's... The best player of our generation, easily, and shouldn't he get the MVP award every year because he's the best player and he's dragged his team, variations of his team, to the title now for six and probably going on seven straight years. Yeah, yeah. Well, but is it more fun to say like, hey, this guy's having a, a very good season? We know LeBron's better, but let's give, let's show the love a little bit. I don't, I don't yeah. well, and mind that. I just worry that like. As, as, as historians go back and like look at this time, and they'll say, "Oh, well, LeBron only won three MVPs," and it's like, "Well, no, 
they gave it to other people because it was nice. Well, and I think he has four total, doesn't he? Does he have four total MVPs? Oh, I don't like know. I was, making, yeah. I was making up. And, and I guess I would say this, too. Just because he's the best player doesn't mean that he had the best year, you know? Like, I, I think Houston, on the on balance, has been better this year than Cleveland has uh, more consistently. And I think it's pretty fair to say that Houston has less overall talent on their team than Cleveland has on their team. You know, there's no other all-star players on Houston's team. And there's two easy ones on Cleveland's team. And you could also say Tristan Thompson is really, really good too. So um, I, I think I think Harden is deserving of it this year. I think you make a really good point about Kawhi Leonard too. Um, I, I do think there is a chance that no matter who is on the Spurs, they end up winning, you know, 60 games somehow. I don't know how they do it, but they figure out a way. But you could say the same thing about D'Antoni on some level too. So yeah, like he made Jeremy Lin great. Even though I like Jeremy Lin, he made Jeremy Lin way better than Jeremy Lin is. But uh, mm-hmm. I would vote for West. I would vote for Harden. Um, and Wait, I, arrange him in four. I would say Harden, Leonard, James, Westbrook. Harden, Leonard, James, Westbrook. And is that just because you're Westbrook bias? No, I just don't think they've done anything that like warrants like he's been great, but also he's been like they are ten games worse than they were last year because of how he plays. So I like I well, can't no, I, I can't take that Durant away. Left. Yeah, but Durant left because of how he plays. I can't I yes, can't but not the, consider the answer that. isn't they're ten games worse because of he's playing bad. The answer is he's ten games worse because they lost one of their two best players. If Cleveland lost Kyrie, they'd be worse. If well, San Antonio lost LaMarcus Aldridge, they'd be worse. Well, right, I guess, but but maybe not also. But also maybe not, you know? Like, I, I don't know how much Cle- worse Cleveland would be with, with like, a – with Mario Chalmers in there instead of Kyrie Irving. You could – like, like you can say that – you could say that Durant left because of Westbrook. Uh-huh. He did. But I don't think you can say that – West, I mean, it, it's a weird. Uh, uh, what's the what's the math term? It's it's weird to say. Hey, because Westbrook le- le- left, because well, Durant left because of Westbrook, and the Thunder are now ten games worse. The Thunder are now now ten games worse because here's, of here's, Westbrook. Here's what I'll say: taking away all that, I think the three guys I have ahead of him do do more for their team to make their teams better than Westbrook does. Westbrook has had has had a fantastic individual season, absolutely 100%. But I think if you take the fact that I believe LeBron and James Harden make their teammates substantially better uh, and make, yeah. make the players they play with better, absolutely. And I would say Kawhi Leonard's uh, ability to be that guy on both sides of the court, do more for his team, um, you know, just my subjective sort of, thought process than Westbrook does and remember fourth out of these four guys I don't think is bad I, I no, would, no, no, and I, I would have him fourth I it's not like I will go through the league and say John Wall or you know or Giannis or any of those and John Wall who I love I wouldn't have him lower than fourth but I would have him fourth of those four guys I'd probably go Kawhi even after I made my LeBron case I'd probably go Kawhi Harden Westbrook LeBron yeah, and, and and by the way, I you know the um, the way historians should look upon LeBron James, we will need some time to gi- digest this. You know, they might need ten years after he retires. If they go to the finals this year, that will be what seven straight finals the guy has been to. Uh, yeah. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's yes. it's un- and he 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 leads the league in minutes, or he's top three in the league in minutes. He, the, I would say that his biggest detriment is he's so good that he wields too much power within his team and makes his team maybe make some bad personnel decisions, I think. And I think also his, like, the the public, like, passive-aggressive, weirdo, whiny baby bullshit is annoying and I think probably hurts his team as much as it helps him. Uh, but, he, I mean, he's so the, the run he's been on, his career has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, uh, and I, I hope we're able to have context on it after he's gone. Do you know James Harden is averaging has a tw- over twenty defensive rebound percentage and an over fifty assist percentage? That's unbelievable. I want to see what Westbrook has. That's an insane thing. 
Well, and and you know, it's funny when people when people talk about the triple double thing, like James Harden is really close to averaging a triple double. You know, I think what does he average? Eight yeah, rebounds well, a Westbrook, game. Okay, well, Westbrook has twenty eight point six defensive rebound percentage yeah. and a fifty seven percent assist percentage. Yeah, just just like we're living in a pretty cool era of of yeah. all this stuff. Happening. Yeah. All right. Well, that's everything. Uh, next week we will uh, we'll wrap up the season. We'll do awards and grades. We always do a, a pretty fun award show. We'll come up with some uh, some stupid awards for the year, and uh, we'll do grades for everybody. And this is the the last regular season. What we have Giannis tonight, and then Paul George on Monday, and then there's one more game after that, right? Who's the final game against? Um, we're very close. Yeah, we're very close. It's Just almost not- there. We have the the Knicks as the last game of the year. It should be a very tanky game. Yep. We're I mean, we're not done as much as I did all of the all of the work last night to get to get that Kings loss and the Lakers win. We're not out of the woods yet. We still have a bunch of scoreboard watching to do. Uh don't go anywhere. This is this some franchise altering shit about to go down. This has been the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast, proudly brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, uh, 707 Walton, Philly, always at LLPavorsky.com. Are you down with TTP? Watch Trial and Error. Oh, watch Trial and Error. Watch. on Hulu and NBC.com for free, including my episode, which aired on Tuesday. It's episode eight. Um, Watch the show. There's a couple more episodes left. It'll be cool. Here's what I'll say. If they don't trade Okafor, that becomes the new call and response. Are you down with TTP? Watch trial and error. That sounds great. All right. Get get me a second season. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right. See you, man. Dave out. I'll be dead.